The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Variscosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, we have two dynamic guests today. We'll speak first with Dorothy Stewart. She's the founder of Women for Progress, and she grew up during segregation but found a way to persevere and dedicate herself to making a difference in the African-American community. Later, we'll speak with jazz singer and songwriter Rhonda Richmond, who tells her story through songs and traces music history from Africa to America. You can join in the conversation today by calling 877-MPB-RING or email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking, and we'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. Happy Monday. Happy day after the Super Bowl. I hope everybody's head is clear and um, if you're a Falcons fan, I hope you've gotten up and actually moved around a little bit and accepted the reality of what happened last night, although it was a very tough night. Uh, and if you're a New England fan, congratulations. It was uh, quite a quite a game, definitely. The, one of the greatest comebacks, I guess, in sports history. Great Rigged. Sh- Rigged. Oh, uh, yeah, the Russians acted. It had to be the Russians, <laughs> definitely. Uh, it, under, underinflated balls. I don't know what it Maybe it was the drones. I don't know. Who knows? This is unheard of. First overtime in Super Bowl history, you know. Yeah. No, just unbelievable. I just, uh, you know, and that's the thing. I grew up in Atlanta, and, of course, the long-suffering curse of Atlanta sports teams. I mean, at least we have the Braves winning in 1995. Yeah. But it's just like, oh. I'm still in shock. I'm still in shock. And I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan, and Mm -hmm. I'll be very honest. And I wrote a piece about this today, but I have deep respect for what he did in the second quarter. And I knew it. I told my son at halftime, I said, I bet they come back and win this game. And my son's like, no. I said, he, he's been here before. Yeah. And that's the difference. I mean, honestly, not only is he great, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's been there before. And honestly, he had poise and, and that, made all look, the difference. You're right about that. That's the only thing I was thinking coming in. This morning, I guess my word for the day would be perseverance. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's because a- they didn't give up. He they hung didn't. in there. He was cool. I love that part with him. I mean, he stayed the course. Amen. And that that voice you hear is our first guest, who's Dorothy Stewart. She's the founder for Women of Progress. Incredible life story, and we're going to talk with her. She can talk right now, too. It'd be great. She's in the studio, and we're going to later have jazz singer and songwriter Rhonda Richmond. And yeah, she touched on the perseverance and mm-hmm. don't quit. And that's what I wrote this morning. I said, you know, we all need to be like that, because until the final whistle blows... Right. We got to keep fighting. You got to hang in there and give it all your all and all your best. Absolutely. And I think that's what we saw last night because I was an Atlanta fan, of course. <laughs> and when I, to be honest with you, my 
children laughed at me because somewhere I got confident and I <laughs> snoozed off. And when I woke up, I'm like, wait a minute. See, I learned my lesson on the national championship game. Because uh, I did that same thing, and I thought, yeah, Alabama's got this in the t- bag. Yeah. It's Alabama, no problem. I'm going to sleep. And then I woke up, and, of course, Clemson had won. So I was like, I'm going to at least stay up for this because I know I'm old, and, you know, I, I go to bed at 8 and all that good stuff. But I was going to make sure on that. It's the same thing with me. I guess this would be a good day for teachers to read the tortoise and the hare hmm. to their children. And believe it or not, they ought to be able to pick up on the fact that the one who keeps going and not sit down and feel that they have the game won will win. That's right. You know, that's what always gets me when people start celebrating their touchdown when they do it like 10 yards out. I'm like, no, 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 get across the line, and then you have the biggest party you want to have, but just get across the line. Right. And I saw that in a Tennessee ball game last fall. The guy was celebrating, and he fumbled and lost the ball and did mm-hmm. not score. I think you got to be careful about that sort of thing. But tortoise of hair is definitely a uh, good reading for today. A lot of the commercials last night, um, anything jump out at you, Sharina? Uh, I loved the Mr. Clean <laughs> commercial. All right, you and I are going to have a deep, <laughs> deep discussion about this. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of women were lusting over Mr. Clean on my, my Facebook page. And, I, I mean, it was just hilarious. Before then, they seemed like they were kind of boring. And then when I saw Mr. Clean, he had biceps, he had an earring, he looked nice in that white. And, and he was, was wearing his so son's typical. pants, apparently, because they were way too tight. <laughs> hey, this is the, the generation of skinny jeans. So it, it was awesome. I've already posted it on my Facebook page. It was hilarious. I loved that commercial. What about you? Uh, okay. Let me let me back up a little bit here. My wife married me or met me when I was a high school janitor. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why she fell in love with me was because she had this perceived thought that I was going to clean the house. Mm-hmm. I think that was why she did it. She was all about cleaning the house. I watched that commercial last night and I was just yelling, no, that does not happen. What? Because I clean for twenty three years now. I've cleaned the house. You know, I'm a good a good husband. Uh, it's never invoked that reaction. Not in a million years. But it's still a. Well, funny I think com- some people would disagree with you because I have a lot of women friends who well, would prefer their husband. Probably don't do that. And yeah. that's the thing. I've been. I've unfortunately spoiled my poor spouse. Uh huh. After twenty three years of of cleaning the house. Oh well, yeah. I know women like for men no, to clean. No, I, I tell you what, those, and, get, and they get rewarded for it. No, I tell you what. Seriously, <laughs> at this point uh, in my life, um, in my in my relationship with my beautiful wife, who I love very much, if I actually came home and the dinner was ready and everything is cleaned up and everything was good, she would be like very happy. And that that's mm-hmm. a lot better than roses or flowers or cards. It is. Yes. Yeah, roses die. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Cleaning is forever. So yeah, that was a great commercial, and there were a lot of them. The Honda yearbook ad last night was one where it had all these Hollywood stars and their yearbook photos, except they were animated. So the actual yearbook photos were talking. And that was really cool. And I think I, think I like the message behind that was because it showed, you know, all these people that are famous and that we love. I mean, like Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Viola Davis, Missy Elliott, Tina Fey, Magic Johnson, Jimmy Kimmel, who was had the worst tucks in playing clarinet, Stan Lee, Robert Redford. And they all kind of look geeky. And they're all now major stars. And it just kind of shows you that, you know what, no matter where you're at, doesn't mean necessarily where you're going. As mm-hmm. long as you have a dream and you can fulfill it. I thought that was really strong, too. The Audi ad about the daughter. Did you see that? No, I missed that. One. Okay, she's doing the boxcar racing thing. And mm-hmm. the father's asking, you know, how am I going to tell my daughter that someday she won't be able to make equal pay? She won't be able to make what, you know, the men around her make and everything like that. And at the very end, he said, you know what, she's 
probably going to be fine. But it was a really powerful ad on that. The Budweiser ad, the one that grew, and I wrote a piece about this this morning on my Facebook page. A lot of people were outraged about the Budweiser ad, and it showed basically um, the founder of Anheuser-Busch immigrating Mm -hmm. to America and having to brave through all, you know, steamboat explosions and everything else to get to St. Louis to start his his brewery to create a beer that would help Atlanta fans forget that the game happened last night, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I already kind of boycott that beverage anyway. I'm not a big fan of it, but that has nothing to do with it. But people were going to say they were going to boycott it because it was about immigration. And I thought, wow, I watched the ad and it was about the American dream. It wasn't really about immigration per se. It was about a guy who, who, you know, gave up everything for his dream. And I thought it was a really good ad. So I was like, okay, I don't really understand that one. Kia with Melissa McCarthy. Now, uh, that one was hilarious. That was funny. She was like Wiley <laughs> Coyote in that thing. She was just getting knocked around and everything else. And she was really so good this weekend in Saturday Night Live where she played. As Sean Spicer. Oh, my gosh. That was one of the funniest skits that I have seen on Saturday Night Live in years. I had just seen the, the two-minute clips, and I found the eight-minute one. And, yeah. man, it was funny, funny from beginning to end. I think that was cool for them to get a woman to play him because that was unexpected. You were usually It's usually the other way around. You yeah. get men, men dressed up as women, but it was the other way around. <laughs> she and when, was awesome. And when she comes in with the podium and carries the podium and starts whacking the reporter with it and the little boxes <laughs> with the props in it, right. you know, moose, the water, lamb, gun. The yeah. water gum, I'll wash out your dirty mouth with stuff and water. And it was so funny. But I mean, it was just if I were Sean Spicer this morning, I would get two boxes with seals on it, the presidential seals and get there and just make fun of myself from that. <laughs> but I don't think I, you're probably sitting home last night, throwing, or Saturday night, throwing things at the TV. Yeah. You know. I mean, but this is just also an interesting dynamic between the media and this presidential campaign. I'm just curious to see how it's going to develop uh, over the next few years. Well, if the first two weeks are any indication, it's going to be quite um, rocky, yeah. to say the least. So, and I love the administration. This. I say presidential campaign. I yeah. mean, administration. Well, yeah. it's kind of the campaign still going, actually. Mm-hmm. But it was it was fascinating seeing the CNN guy in the cage. You know. Oh like, yeah, like, with a pamper on. Yeah. <laughs> this is not fake news. I promise. Uh, other ads. Let's see. Jump. Back. Let's see who won the. The market watch. I'm looking at the uh, USA Today ones. The winner, I think, was number one was Kia. Number two is the Honda yearbooks. Number three was the Audi. Number four was Born the Hard Way. And then Bradshaw with the stain. Okay, did I the, missed that with one. the Tide one. Okay, so he mm-hmm. has a stain on him, right? And so he has to go through all this stuff to end up getting his his clothes washed. If I were Lady Gaga up on top of that stadium, I'd have had a stain too. Mm. It just wouldn't have been on my shirt. <laughs> Because there's no, no there's no way I would have stood on top of that stadium. But did you see did you see the halftime show? I did see bit, bits and pieces of it. It was, okay. it was good. Lady Gaga can do weird with the best of them, right? Mm-hmm. But she is incredibly talented. And her voice last night, I mean, anytime, she's just got an incredible voice. And that show was very entertaining. It was. Yeah. I don't know how high people's hopes were because, you know, we're it's a still Bowl, thinking yeah. about Prince and Beyonce. But I think Lady Gaga did a, a, had a very memorable performance. I thought so, too. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was well worth it. So, very good. Well, I'm very... Very excited. We're going to take a break here in just a second, and we're going to have our first guest come on. You've heard a little bit from her already. She's an incredible, incredible lady, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview. Dorothy Stewart's going to be with us, the founder of Women for Progress here in Jackson. And, of course, I hope you've all recovered from the Super Bowl. So we're going to help you that. That's what we're doing here today. Yes. That's lift right. your spirits. It lift your spirits. <laughs> this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back and happy Monday. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Sheree and I, of course, have been talking about the Super Bowl. Ah, and we have a super guest coming up. I'm very happy to have her in the studios, Dorothy Stewart, the founder for Women for Progress. And, and Ms. Stewart, it's nice to have you here. You were bringing up a very important point about the Super Bowl, about the economic impact on that. And it's amazing how much money gets thrown around on that. Absolutely. And they were talking about uh, the Saints perhaps coming back to Jackson with their practices, even coming in just to do right. training becomes an impact in the city of Jackson. So I'd love to see that happen. Wasn't that a lot of fun when they did that the last time over at Millsaps? Absolutely. It really was. And because we could all go go check out the practices and, you know, they were in town and everything else. And, of course, anytime, you know, a dollar comes to Jackson, that's a good thing. It comes to Mississippi. Absolutely. Well, you've, you've had an amazing career, an amazing life. You grew up here in Mississippi, correct? Absolutely. From born in Vicksburg, moved to Clinton with my parents at an early age, was got my elementary education. I tell young people this, and they look at me and say, oh, that's impossible. My, I think, first or second grade teacher is still living. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so you well, say, wow. Well, no, I mean. It is. It's truly amazing. And I guess it helps me because it pushes me on. I said, look at Mrs. Latham. She's still going. And they had a 100th year birthday party for her. She must be 103 or 4 now. And I went up to her to say, hello, Mrs. Latham. And I do what people do to me. I said, do you remember me? She said, yes, I know you, Dorothy Thompson. I said, wow. And I said, wow. And I thought about students who do that to me, and I'm looking at them like, okay, <laughs> I have seen that face someplace before. But I think it's phenomenal. She was an excellent teacher even in those days, very dedicated and my opinion on education now is that the teachers must be dedicated, persistent, just like we said about the uh, game last night. You win if you work with young people, if you care about the young people, and if you truly invest in them. I think that's what happened to me. You know, I think about that. I, I look at your life, and I, I talk about resilience and persistence because you've had you had some real roadblocks thrown up in front of you because I remember reading a quote where you said that you had asked you know you said well I'm gonna become a doctor and the reply that you got back mm -hmm. was was really kind of t took my breath away oh yeah I mean you know I just celebrated my 79th birthday in preparation for my 80th when I'll have a grand glorious celebration I guess and during my early days when you six years old or 10 years old and you want to be something like a doctor or excuse my goodness don't even think about president uh people looked at you yeah you do you really think you can where are you going to go to school i said there are schools to go to but i don't think they realize how damaging that could be even though i think they wanted us to be 
realistic right. and set some goals that are, as they would say, achievable goals. But I did, and it was not possible, and it's impossible to, it's, it's hard to say, <coughs> excuse me, it's hard to say that uh, it suppressed your desire. You really had to work hard. Yesterday, my daughter spoke at Holy Ghost Catholic Church here in Jackson, and so she said, my mother is a proud graduate of what was Holy Ghost High School, and they don't have a high school any longer for a number of reasons. But uh, I was a graduate of Holy Ghost High School in Jackson because there was not a high school in Clinton at that time. And that was sad because it put extra hard ship to catch the bus ride from Clinton to Jackson on a rickety GNS <laughs> transportation bus. And then they put us off downtown. I don't think people even remember where the bus station was. And we had, I, well, we had to walk because there were, I had one of my best friends to walk with me, fortunately. We had to walk from down by the, fairground up to uh, Cloister Street. And we did it, you know, being young. We had fun. I mean, it was a joy. I told somebody, shoes, I remember what was on Ferris Street because walking to the high school, we had to pass by the uh, donut shop. There was a donut shop on Ferris Street. And then in the evening time, we came back and we walked past the peanut, uh, I guess you say peanut (laughs) sellers. They roasted the peanuts and sold them to people. You got a little bag of peanuts, I guess, for 15 cents or whatever. And then of all things, we had to come by Big Apple Inn. We called it Big John's. And then you could get the Big John's for... What was it, 15 cents? And so we just had a good time walking and eating and visiting. So so even though segregation was going on and the world was going on, y'all were just kids and you were just... And we enjoyed it. We had a good time. And... uh, well, how did you decide to, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you weren't able to become a doctor, but you decided on a very interesting and a very fruitful career path. How did you decide to, to go into education? I guess you would say it was the people who surrounded me and teachers who surrounded me. I told somebody, uh, my Sunday school teacher in Clinton, well, we had to go to Sunday school on Sunday and what have you. And one day she said, Dorothy, I'm going to tell your mother I want you to be the teacher and be this in Sunday school. And uh, later on she said, she said, girl, you knew more of those words and things than I did. She was an elderly lady, but she did. She saw some talent and decided to mobilize me and put me to work during the Sunday school lesson. And all she did was to sit back there and keep me going, learning the Bible. I guess I learned more then with the Bible 
because she was pushing me with that. So, and it's hard to believe there were so few occupations. You said you were a janitor someplace. Right. And I told, I went to Mississippi College later on. I was an adult. I was, well, I have a master's from Mississippi College. And one of the professors, I don't know, J-Row, was kind of a legend around Mississippi College. And he asked me something one day. And I said, well, now, you know I couldn't come to Mississippi College back then because I was an adult and had finished college and back to just do that. I said, I walked past this place and looked, looked up those little steps and all of that and thought that was the living in. He said, well, what do you think now? I said, please don't ask me because you might (laughs) might influence my grade. But I was. I'll be honest with you. I was a little disappointed because I told people it was after I had finished Jackson State that I, and I had gone. And so you traveled. You got to go to Mexico. You got to go to San Francisco. And and that really expanded your worldview, and it helped you understand your, your history and your roots a little bit, it too. It did. And when I went to Clark University, right outside of Boston, uh, it was an eye-opener for me. It validated something I had not heard. And this is why I said we need to stop saying negatives about the quality of our education, especially education at Jackson State. Uh, I had a fellowship, NDEA fellowship, to go there. Now, you have to understand, Clark was a feeder school for places like uh, Harvard. Mm -hmm. And it was great. But what I found when I got to that environment... I had been thoroughly educated at Jackson State. Now, I'll qualify that with some things were missing, but the basic education, I don't think you could find a better, more talented person, and I say this was a blessing to me, than Dr. Margaret Walker Alexander. Amen. She was phenomenal when I say that, and to have had her as a teacher. I had a teacher like Mrs. Dunson who was wonderful. Uh, and John Eubanks and Kay Johnson, all of those were great. I had an economics teacher. That's why I ask about the economics today. He was phenomenal. But most of these people, because of the segregation laws, had gone to schools outside of Mississippi. Right. As I wound up doing, they nominated me for Woodrow Wilson. And later on, I don't know how I got nominated for a Fulbright. I think think that came from Southern or somewhere. But they pushed us to go outside. Well, you had to go outside of Mississippi go to other schools that were phenomenal. What were some of the things that you learned when you like in San Francisco? And I know Kwanzaa, learning about the history of Kwanzaa was one of them. What are some of the things that that you learned that totally changed your perspective that you brought back home with you? You know, I told somebody, 
San Francisco, even then, was very diverse, very open environment. And I guess that's what I learned, to be more open, more accepting of mm-hmm. people of diverse environments. And I also learned to speak up, believe it or not, for Mississippi. Because people, somebody looked at me and they said, you're from Miss- Mississippi? Well, how are the children different here than they are in Mississippi? I said, I don't see any difference in them. And they were surprised with that. I thoroughly enjoyed them, and I also learned more about traveling. I took a course in African history, something I had not had. And sitting in that class in African history, I think there were two blacks in the course, neither of whom had ever been to Africa. All of the other students in there and that was very diverse, had traveled Africa. One young man, kind of like you, said he signed on to a freighter, a steamer or something, and traveled that way. And he got a phenomenal way of education in Africa. And I'm like, I need to learn more about Africa. And I'll say that about black people. When I look at them and say, we... We all, because people assume that we know about Africa, which we really don't. Right. When you talk about Kwanzaa and you talk about the language, many of them don't realize you have a wide range of languages spoken in Africa. And I told them, you need to go back and watch Roots, and you'll see why we can't speak any of the Swahili or whatever icons or whatever, we just, it was beaten out of us. It was destroyed, deliberately destroyed. And I had a, I don't know, even though I've had lung cancer, and so I'm very conscious about creating that awareness about, you know, cancer and trying to raise money and trying to do things that would help promote because I, I didn't smoke, but I sat in a room where everybody smoked, I think. But I don't know. We just need more awareness about the variety of languages and needs that we have. Cause, but what I started to say on that line, February, as long as I can remember, when I was a little girl, it was Black History Week. And then we went through that protest, Black is Beautiful, period. And they moved it to a month, which was my feeling that you teach it every day, just like everything else. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. Of course, we're carrying on a great conversation with Dorothy Stewart, and we're going to continue that conversation. Of course, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back in just a minute.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a great day today. We are having a great show today. We've got Dorothy Stewart in the studio. Looking forward to continuing the conversation with her. And in just a few minutes, jazz singer and songwriter Rhonda Richmond will be joining us to talk about her story and her music as well. So it's a great day. Anytime you want to call us, it's 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. We're actually having a great conversation off the air, and that's that's the beauty of doing this show is sometimes the stuff that you hear when the mics are off are even better. We were talking about education, and you've been a lifelong educator. 38 years ago, you started Women for Progress to help out, and so it was more than just teaching. It was doing, too. Um, talk a little bit about Women for Progress. You know, I tell people Women for Progress grew out of a need, and sometimes I say we've been very, very successful in helping to satisfy and negate some of the needs that we saw. And then again, I say, I don't know, because when we talk, one of our main efforts was to get blacks elected to political office. And that took work, and it took a lot of, uh, you know, pushing to get people registered to vote, because it took educating the population who had come up through the oppression, the suppression of voting, being politically active. That was not supposed to be the black person, black person's business. You don't go vote. Well, you know, I came up when Fannie Lou Hamer was in the midst of her being dominant and activated. And it was a real great experience knowing, well, when I say knowing her, seeing her and getting involved because of people like Fannie Lou Hamer who did so much political activity. I say she truly did change the whole, she changed everything because when you look at demanding to be seated with the Democratic Party, I said that's when the Democrats started leaving the Democratic Party. Whites started leaving the Democratic Party because blacks were becoming very active. Uh, You had Aaron Henry and a number of others who came up. But we worked to help get people involved. And I guess one of our biggest efforts came with political activity when Jesse Jackson, 1984, Jesse Jackson tried running for president, and he swept through here, and we did all kinds of things to help promote his campaign and his political activity, which in turn helped bring us around. The other thing, we worked along with Senator Henry Kirksey, changing the form of the city government for Jackson. And we worked with, I guess, Alice. I say, starting out, we worked with most of the elected officials. I don't think people know it now, but before they got in, 
we had to do a lot of things to get them where they are. It just didn't didn't fly out of the sky right. like uh, what's her name, Lady Gaga. It took some hard work. I tell folk it took a lot of cooking, frying chicken, or whatever else we needed to do. I think food is a universal language. You, oh, you get yeah. food involved. Everybody's involved. But I've, I've read you. You had a quote that the thing that disturbed you. The, one of the things that disturbs you the most right now is voter apathy. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. The voter apathy that people. Somebody told me the other day. I said, well. Something about the election, because, of course, President Trump has been a hot topic for a discussion. And I said, well, not enough people voted. Well, it wasn't going to make any difference. And I said, I don't no, 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 no. And, you know, I'm having trouble with my voice, but things like that get my adrenaline flowing. And I start saying, no, 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 getting some of that same fire. Because, and what I was saying, you can't lose it. After we did all of this, so it it was an effort, a necessary effort, and I see so many young people who are not picking up the mantle and going forward to really make things happen and not settle for the apathy. We've got to have some persistence out there. What were some of the issues with women for progress that you that you addressed with the with the people that joined? Some of everything. When you look, of course, we had the problem with education, right? Uh, economics, business. You know, just just getting people involved with business. Because I look at when the change started occurring politically. Because I went through the <clears throat> desegregation of schools right here in Jackson. And as it got closer and closer for the schools to desegregate, the um, the exodus from the city of Jackson occurred residentially and business-wise. That has been a deliberate And now I say it's almost like a planned attack to destroy the city of Jackson. Well, the tough part is, you know, of course, there was white flight initially. Now it's middle class flight. You know, it's leaving very rich people or very poor people in the city and they don't have the tax base. Absolutely. So I shake my head and wonder and say, oh, my gosh, how will we survive? How will we keep schools, for instance? Right. Everyone has complained about the streets and what have you. And I have never known the streets to be in the shape that they're in. I I did have to say the other day, though, that uh, they paved the street in leading to my residence, which was grand. You said, oh, wow, this feels good. And we've got to have that. We've got to have that pride in the city of Jackson. The pride in the schools. That's something we had tremendous pride in the schools. And I said people don't realize how many great people have been educated out of Jackson Public Schools and they've come through and they've done phenomenal work in the city. And I think we have the same caliber of young people. If we build that pride and feeling good, you don't need to leave 
Jackson Public Schools to get a good education. Uh, but we've got to have the pride and that feeling and that promotion of the school system. So it's it's you know looking at your life and all the things you've done and you you were talking about resilience and and you of course beat back cancer which I'm also a cancer survivor so congratulations I, actually I think you're probably a can you're a thriver you're not just a survivor <laughs> I hope so I you know you keep on saying I'm going to live and I'm going to do this uh, and it really comes out and that I'll give another shout that's something I I'm proud of. The renovation that happened, and this tells us what we can do at Jackson Medical Mall. Yes. Now, my, I guess my primary doctor, of course, is Dr. Robert Smith, who's been a longtime friend and a wonderful caregiver. Now, he signed me up. He says, I want you to go, because he was promoting it, of course, and and become a member of uh, ERIC, the Arteriosclerosis Study in African Americans in the city of Jackson, in Mississippi, really. And I said, Bob, please. And then I didn't know that I had cancer. I was younger, and she said, it's been 10, 15 years or more. And he said, go on, you get, and he told me the advantages of things I would get as a result of just participating in the study. And I went, and I told somebody the value of saying yes. And one day they said, you got to do your exams. And I said, okay. And they told me, well, you know, we have a new piece of equipment. Will you let us run, run a test on you and make sure it's working? I said, well, I get to be a guinea pig today. And I, you know, just kind of laughed. I said, well, when I came in, I came in to do whatever you wanted me to do. So, yes. And I said, it's a big value in sometimes saying yes. Because I had no idea that I would end up getting a... But they caught it early. They caught it because early. Because you said yes. Because I said yes. And I had had an kind of man, oh, no, I don't get in these programs. I don't care what Dr. Smith says. And it's a value because I said I wouldn't be sitting here today if they had not caught it. Miss Stewart, thank, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you. Well, it's been wonderful. I guess I, I don't know if I said enough about Women for Progress, but it's it's a volunteer organization, hardworking, talented, gifted young women. And uh, as I say, I've been in there so long now. I'm recruiting everywhere I go to get more active young women because that's what we need. And we also take men. We have a couple of men who are phenomenal members. Well, how can people get in touch with you? Well, you can call Willie Jones. Willie Jones is serving as president now, and I have to give her a tremendous shout-out. And we have a radio show pretty much like this where we tackle. We say we try to inform people, make them aware we try to advocate. In fact, tomorrow we're going to be down at the uh, legislature, and I'll re take this time to remind everybody, come down and join us tomorrow at noon for Lunch and Learn. That's a program that Willie has created that's new. And we bring different people in to talk about what they can do.
in the community and with the government to push various things. So it's a lot going on. We advocate, we create awareness, and then we go, and here's Willie coming in now, uh, and, and then we go to action. Like I said, tomorrow we're going to be down at the uh, Capitol influencing legislators that we have helped to get elected and keep on trying to get some good officials. Well, good deal. Well, I hope everything goes well tomorrow, and I thank you for being here today. Okay. All right. Thank and you. And we tell them to listen to our radio show yes. on Thursdays. It's Women for Progress Radio, and we tackle a variety of, of shows. And I'm going to go out here and get Very. Willie to take me to... Sounds like a deal. All right. Coming this up... Is- this has been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. And coming up next is jazz singer and songwriter Rhonda Richmond. We'll be talking a little bit about her story, how she tells the music history of Africa through her song and traces. Just fantastic interview. Looking forward to that as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Great show today. Thank you for being a part of it. Of course, you want to give us a call at any time. It's 877-MPB-RING, or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. And I do love the fact that Ms. Stewart, as she was walking out the door, was ready to recruit Sharita and get her involved as well. So that's good. That's good. All right. We got on the line, we have jazz singer and songwriter Rhonda Richmond. She tells her story through song and traces music history from Africa to America. She's on the line. Rhonda Welcome to the show. Thank you, Marshall. Uh, you're absolutely amazingly talented and wonderful, and I hate that you're not in the studio, but you're out and about, and I do appreciate you being with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, talk a little bit. I mean, I love singer-songwriters. I love people that express their art and tell their stories and write their own material. What inspires your songwriting? Is it people? Is it the world around you? Uh, the people, the world around, life, yeah. just the life. I have a a favorite African proverb that says, to know the end, look at the beginning. So I like to take the music back to Africa, where there was drumming and chanting. Right. And used more so in uh, ritual. Ritual. Mm -hmm. And then coming to America, uh, the the transatlantic slave trade, uh, the drums, uh, the music is rhythm. But um, we start with the field hollows. And then to the spirituals, and then there was blues. And I look at it as a birth of it because the music evolves. It goes to the blues and then to the jazz. And so I tried to use those elements. And some of the, uh, just Mississippi, where I am, that's what I'm, I'm inspired by. So I like the whole acoustics and then using the, the rhythms and uh, using jazz chords, you know, blues. Uh, all the chords, you can still hear the blues in them. We're going to hear a little bit of it right now. Of me walking, holding hands 
Okay, that was absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful voice and beautiful everything. <laughs> what was the name of that piece? The name of that piece uh, is uh, Iyami, mm-hmm. which was uh, actually uh, taken from um, a Europe, the Yoruba culture in West Africa. Uh, but it's actually kind of a love song that I wrote. It's uh, taken from the CD Oshoko Town which is uh, a town in Nigeria, which um, it's um, speaking of the deity of Oshun, which is the deity of love and prosperity and creativity. I I like that deity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like all three of that. That's great. You you talked a little bit about the blues and talk about jazz and how, and it's so interesting because it's kind of like out of of pain comes such beauty with music. I mean, music can be healing, can it? It can be healing. I think it's, uh, we write. It's a way of healing yourself. Uh, that's why I feel that the arts and humanities, it is so important for us. And especially during a time like these. Hey, amen. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Um, and I love what you say that, that jazz is our classical music. And I think about, you know, the music that came out of Germany with Beethoven and Bach and, and so forth and, and it came out of Europe. But the, truly jazz is ours, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, the black art form, uh, America, that is our art form. It came from the black art form. We can't really claim the classical music right. that was European and other ones. Uh, but uh, everything was birthed from, like I said, the field hollows and the rhythms and then the blues. And it's evolved. It's like, you know, blues had a baby named jazz. Jazz had a baby named uh, rock and roll soul music, rhythm and blues. Well, that's why we talk about Mississippi being the birthplace of, of American music. That's truly, there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? There is a lot of truth to that, Mississippi. It is the birthplace, I think, of yeah. the music. I think in other regions, you can hear a specific sounds, like uh, you can hear the New Orleans sounds, uh, the Dixie music, the second line. And Mississippi, of course, is the blues, you know, but we do have other elements also here in Mississippi. How many different types of jazz are there? Well, you know, we have bebop. It's just constantly growing, right? you know. And you have Dixieland. You have, uh, I don't know now, I can't even tell you, you know, all the genres of it, really. But they call it um, smooth jazz. And, but, you know, jazz is really based, uh, it's, it's, um, based upon the fact, I think, when they... Well, improvisation became and the the uh, rhythm became more rhythmic. And uh, I think that's just the way, you know, I think you can look at it that way. But I, what I love is, is it's a platform for you. It's it's a, a place for you to be able to tell your story with your lyrics. And that's very, very important to you, isn't it? Very important. I think it's why I write, you know, I use it as a voice. Yeah. Uh, I think um, I really started singing because I was an instrumentalist. And I really started singing just to sing my own music, the songs that I wrote. Exactly. And, and of course, you tell some beautiful stuff. I love this quote. It's an Af- African proverb, to know the end is to look at the beginning. 
Yes, I think that's something that we can carry out through uh, life. Uh, I'm a firm believer in daily honoring my ancestors first, the elders, and then we come. I think uh, if we do that, because it's about remembering, remembering the past, and then I think it uh, changes your thought as we go forward in life. Right. Well, Rhonda, thank you for joining us today. Real quickly, where can people find more of your music? You can find it on iTunes. Uh, you can check me out on YouTube as well and stuff. Well, right now they're going to get to hear you as we close out the show. Rhonda, thank you for being with us today. Okay. Thank you so very much. All right. I want to thank my guests, Dorothy Stewart, and, of course, Rhonda Richmond for joining us. I want to thank Sharita for producing an amazing show once again. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. Tell you what, we got the week started off on a good foot. We're going to have an awesome week, and we will see you next week. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Or maybe there were others under the Iroko tree. She'll send you love by the friendly crocodile. Feed her catfish, sip some wine. If you must out, just ask around. Down by the river in Oshuk, oh, town.